your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. No rest for the weary. What's up, guys? This is EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beer. You are listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. This is episode 101, because we just did episode 100 uh, earlier this week. We'll talk plenty about uh, the reaction to episode 100 on this episode. We had our all-time Nick Straff. Um, Tommy drafted his team. I drafted our uh, my team. And we wanted to get the reaction from you guys of what you thought would happen if these teams matched up. We got a poll out there that has results. We got also comments from various listeners and people on social media. So we'll uh, let you guys know how those poll results came out. And we'll talk about uh, some of the the reaction we got from that episode. Again, special thanks to everybody who has contributed to us for now 100 plus episodes of Orange and Blue Bloods. But again, we'll also be talking about some more uh, serious notes when it comes to the NBA. So, of course, We'll be talking about Adam Silver's recent press conference. We actually addressed some issues involving the New York Knicks. So one of the big moments from the press conference was uh, a question about the Knicks front office media policy, where we essentially don't see a lot of people from the Knicks front office, whether it be obviously James Dolan, of course, but more importantly, uh, Leon Rose or World Wide West or anybody from that contingent talking. Adam Silver actually spoke about that. He also spoke about the Raptors lawsuit that's happening. And there are some new rules being adopted by the NBA to quell load management, try to quell the amount of uh, resting players, star players that we have in this league. We'll tell you how that impacts the Knicks. So all that and more coming up right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer again coming at you here for Orange and Blue Bloods. And Tommy, I got to say, we'll talk about it later, but it, it seems like that the people really were impressed with your GMing skills when it came to the uh, OBB 100 episode and the team you put together. Yeah, I think a little bit uh, was luck of the draw in terms of draft slot and and, and teams full and uh, and uh, you know because having you know there's like kind of like tier one is Patrick Clyde and and Willis 
So getting two of those three guys, I think, uh, you know, you, you look at that on paper and it seems quite impressive. But uh, yeah, good, uh, good, some good fan interaction and um, some good. Uh, and, and obviously, EJ Draft and a good squad as well made it um, prime for interesting conversation. Yeah, we'll definitely get into uh, how those teams shook out and how people uh, reacted to those teams. Again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WF and Original. It's a podcast you can get with podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. And let's get it right here. And also be sure, uh, by the way, to also follow us on YouTube as well, where you can catch, uh, if you want to watch the 100th episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, it's up on WFN. If you want to watch any of our other episodes of Orange and Blue Bloods, it's on the WFN channel uh, as well. So uh, let's begin with what's going on with the Knicks. And Adam Silver actually talking about the Knicks. So NBA Commissioner Adam Silver held a news conference, update the media on various topics involving the league, and several Knicks issues came up during the session. So one was the uh, much-talked-about approach to the media access the Knicks allows or doesn't allow uh, to their front office. And um, Leon Rose and World Wide West, again, a lot of the squad over there, basically it's been non-existent when it comes to their access uh, uh, to the media or the media's access to them. So Silver, during his press conference, was asked by Yahoo's Vincent Goodwill, shout-out to him, NBA senior writer, about the policy and – I was a little surprised by his answer. Let's hear what Adam Silver had to say. Adam, you've stood in front of us multiple times since basically the pandemic has ended. Uh, here in New York, the Knicks, their decision maker hasn't stood forth in the public since he's taken position. What is the league standing on such a thing? Is there a particular policy that you can enact? Is there any pressure that you can put on a franchise to be publicly accountable? Well, in, in terms of being public account, publicly accountable, I don't think that's necessarily about what an organization chooses to say to the media. I mean, that's you all have a role to play in that and deciding um, how to cover a team and the, the, the point of view expressed. And, and of course, ultimately, the fans do, too. I think that's where accountability lies. They haven't um, violated any of our league rules, our league rules. Um, the ones that have been collectively bargained apply to players, which for the most part are the, the, the people that the fans are most focused on. Um, certainly from my standpoint and, and the leagues, you know, we have a long track record of talking directly to the media and being transparent about the decisions we make. And then every team has to make its own decisions on how they want to operate. Interesting. So Adam Silver basically saying the Knicks have done nothing wrong. When it comes to how uh, Leon Rose has not been available to speaking to the media, and I definitely want to get Tommy's thoughts on that. But also during this presser, uh, Silver was also asked about the lawsuit Knicks filed against Toronto Raptors over allegations that a former employee improperly provided access to team scouting information to the Raptors while in the process of leaving the Knicks for Toronto this summer. When asked about the lawsuit by the Athletics, Mike Borkanov, this is what Adam Silver had to say. That dispute, I don't know more than what I read in the complaint that was filed, you know, in federal court. And so I don't have a sense yet of how egregious it is. And, and I haven't had an opportunity to see what the Raptors' response is. I think they're this ultimate me. So I think it's appropriate for me to withhold judgment. So very interesting there. Him saying essentially, 
I don't really know anything about this other than the lawsuit. So I want to talk about this first, Tommy, before we get back to the front office situation, because uh, are you surprised that Silver is saying he knew nothing about the Knicks allegations uh, against the Raptors here? Yeah, super surprised. I mean, listen, I, I expect him to say I may have to, you know, rule on it. So I want to withhold my opinion. Like, that's fully expected. But to say you don't know more than we know about a, a, a lawsuit <laughs> right. between, you know, two teams as you're, you know, kind of, you know, and I find that hard to believe. I, I'm shocked that he that's the route he went. Um, we'll see if he, you know, changes his tune a little bit, but I, I got to admit, I, I expected him. Listen, obviously you don't expect him to take the Knicks side or the Raptors side, unless he feels right. strongly, um, one way or the other, but to say that you, that you're, you know, you haven't asked questions. I mean, that's like a, a boss, you know, two of his employees suing each other and him saying, ah, you know, we'll, we'll find out when it goes to court as opposed, you know, when, when he, you know, <laughs> yeah guys in their office has their cell phone numbers has their you know correspondence you know on a regular basis has can have his underlings correspond with you know have his people call their people to get their side of the story they yeah. gotta say i don't know what the raptors it, it was an odd response to the situation um again you know not expecting him to come out you know guns blazing and defend or you know one side or the other uh, but to say he doesn't know more i, I certainly found very surprised i was very surprised and I don't believe Adam Silver. I mean, look, Adam Silver is, but then it, it 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 strikes me as odd because Adam Silver has an extremely impressive background as a lawyer. I mean, yes. this guy knows law inside and out. It's why he was David Stern's right hand man for so long. So, given the reporting, and maybe reporting can always be wrong, but given the reporting that the Knicks approached the league about these allegations before filing the lawsuit, it seems strange Adam Silver would say that he doesn't know anything about this other than the lawsuit and what's in it. Is it possible the Knicks only told him what's in the lawsuit? So legally he's saying, look, that's what they told me and that's what's there. So therefore, like, that's what I know. Maybe, but again, he made it sound as if the first time he heard about this was from this lawsuit, which just seems unbelievable, literally unbelievable to me for various reasons. Again, number one, I mean, the Knicks, or, you know, station, I know technically they're, I guess, their training facilities in Westchester. But, you know, I mean, the station essentially, you know, in the same, you know, neighborhood as uh, as the league offices. I mean, you would think that if there's any team where people would kind of be constantly in communication with the NBA, it would be the Knicks just because of that, just because of the pure proximity of uh, the of the offices where they reside currently. And I don't know, it, like. Adam Silver, for me, has really become a disappointment as a commissioner. And that answer to the whole situation with the Raptors and the Knicks just kind of illustrated that to me. I mean, you have one franchise taking another franchise to court over what essentially is a trade secrets complaint. And his response is he threw his hands up and was like, I don't know anything about it, but I guess I'll eventually have to rule on it. I'm like, what? Like, come on, you know, you're the commissioner. Like, you have to have more to say about this. You have to say, hey, these allegations are true. This is unacceptable. Or maybe you could say, look, we'll have to take a deeper look into how we view, um, you know, employees that go from other teams and what they're able to take. Like, to just say that I don't really know what's going on, it, it like the kind of caricature, caricature approach or caricature view that people have of Adam Silver of like that he's kind of been a, a derelict of duty commissioner. 
I mean, it's like right full front and center right there when you say, uh, I guess I'll just have to wait and see what happens in court. Come on, man. Like, you got to be better than that. Yeah. I, I, and, and to your point, the idea, the, the Knicks obviously not only was reported, but it just follows common sense that before suing another, you know, uh, co-team, another team in, in the same league, that they would go to the league office and say, Here, here's what we're thinking about doing. Here's why we're thinking about doing. Do you have opinions? Can you rectify the situation before we have to take drastic measures? You uh, Not only has that been reported, you would assume that that would yeah. follow common sense. Let's assume that didn't happen. After they follow the lawsuit, Adam Silver is not going to ask each team, you know, whether on the record, yeah. you know, it, it's crazy to even suggest that. But I, I think it is important to note, as you know, that Adam Silver has a law background. Right. Um, he's a litigator and he understands when things get dragged into federal court, it mum is the word. You don't want to be right. called upon as a character witness. You don't want to, you know, there, there's going to be questions that come up. You don't want to have to get testified. You don't want people asking you questions on the stand, et cetera. Um, that's why leagues and franchises and billion dollar enterprises and, and celebrities avoid court at the, you know, if they can, because it's, it's basically wild card. You can't, you know, kind of throw your money around all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that is the rationale behind it is that he's just playing mum uh, for legal purposes because the, the alternative makes zero sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that's the only thing I can think of is that him with his law background and the, the army of lawyers the NBA has, yes. they advised him that this, or maybe he advised himself that this was the best course of action. Now it makes him yeah. look like a entirely clueless commissioner. Like that's how he looks. And, no right. Way what, around what if he wants to go that route, he could just say, listen, I can't talk on it. There's there's a lawsuit. Filed. Right. You know, don't say I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I think there had to have been a better way than this. But yeah. I assume the approach had to be from a legal sense right. as to why he said right. essentially what he had said. Now, on the Knicks media policy note, I, <laughs> it was interesting. I saw a lot of Knicks fans on Twitter and they seem to be ones most, uh, I guess, uh, apathetic to the, the complaints of the media not being able to have more access to the Knicks front office, uh, almost celebrating this answer from Adam Silver, saying that, you know, uh, you know, it is not on, what is, let me make his exact quote here, in terms of being publicly accountable, I don't think that's necessarily about what an organization says to the media. I mean, that is an extremely, they talk about the other comment being kind of indirect and kind of like aloof. That is an extremely direct opinion yeah. about how he views accountability and what, a team has to do in terms of being accountable to the public. And Adam Silver, they were saying essentially that he doesn't believe that a team talking to the media accounts for that. I found stunning. I, I found that completely stunning. It, it sounds to me, and I'll go and, and go back to kind of like my legal background or his legal background. It sounds to me like he has had these conversations with the Knicks and the Knicks have gone back and forth with the league office about why they're doing this. And I think essentially I think he's parroting whatever James Tolan and the Knicks have told him. I think he's uh, James Dolan. That this feels like if we asked James Dolan, why can't we talk to Leon Rose? I feel like you would get a very not nearly as like uh, put together or not nearly as finessed the way Adam Silver did. I think you would essentially get this answer. So like what I got from this was that this is something the Knicks, the league actually did try to address with the Knicks, and the Knicks gave him this answer. And given that it's kind of I mean, you you could argue the opinion, but you can't argue that what he is saying is against the rules. You can't, you can't argue. Some of these things are inarguable. I, I think that that is essentially then the line he decided to just parrot 
when he was asked about it. But I'm, I find that very stunning that he would take that stance. Yeah, I know that the league office has had conversations, multiple conversations with the Knicks because I've been a member of the um, Professional Basketball Writers Association. Mm. Um, and they are constantly any team that is, you know, kind of Stonewalls media um, that does even the bare minimum, um, et cetera. They get they get uh, correspondence from the Professional Basketball Writers Association. Howard Beck is, is now the, been voted president. Um you know, about media availability, et cetera. And so by the letter of the law, the Knicks make the head coach available. They make their players available. We know Randall wasn't available, you know, at, at certain right. times. And there was season. a fine. That was, those fines that were issued for those. Correct. So they, you know, they go that route when need be. Um, but, you know, by, you know, the letter of the law, even if it's, you know, the Mar- Marshall Lynch, I'm just here not to get fined thing. Um, the, the guys show up and, and do the bare minimum. Uh, but it's obvious that the that it, it trickles down. The 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 president of basketball operations not making himself available, lets the coach know that he only has to do the bare minimum, lets the players know that they don't have to extend themselves beyond the very bare minimum. And if there's a way to skirt, um, you know, uh, any loopholes and avoiding the media at, at any and all costs, um they can do that they have the green light to do that i don't i don't yeah. want to maybe encourage to do that is a bit strong but um maybe not um because there there's no there's certainly no penalty um in in, in doing so um and then of course it's the question that we've had on you know the, the, the discussion we've had a couple of times on, on this podcast and that fans have had and that the media's had elsewhere um is does it impact the product on the floor do the fans deserve yeah. more um, and the odd thing is, it, it seems, um, you know, certainly uh, according to Nick's Twitter, which is not an, always a direct correlation between how Nick fans, you know, the 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 yeah. as a species, so to speak, you know, right, yeah. uh, certainly Nick, Nick's Twitter doesn't speak for all of Nick's fandom. Um, it's probably a very small segment, especially the part that's vocal. Um, but they certainly don't seem to have a problem. They almost seem to relish in in yeah. Tibbs and Leon Rose kind of rubbing it in the media faces. I think part of that. Um, is a is a conflict of uh, interest between the uh, Knicks media and the fan base. There's beef and and and, and yeah. kind of tension there. Um, you know, largely due to two plus decades of incompetence from the organization, which the media, for the most part, uh, accurately depicted. Um, of course, there's extremes on both ends where you know you know you know certain media you know lay down for the team, certain media um, bash the team, no matter what they did, right or wrong. Um, so yeah, all those kind of things factor into the, the conversation at large. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder at this point, it doesn't. And and to your point, it doesn't seem like it's going to change because, um, it's surprising to to see a commissioner, uh, basically take the side of a, uh, of the franchise that is, you know, basically, um, limiting their access to the to to the media at, at every and any opportunity yeah i mean that's the takeaway half from this is that there's we're never going to hear from leon rose like yep, yep. the day we hear from leon rose yep. will probably be the day he resigns or the day he <laughs> retires i mean we're not even gonna hear from him if he gets fired he just will be fired and that'll be it like we'll never hear from him again like that that is going to be the situation because adam silver said it right there that again on terms of public accountability it's not necessarily what an organization says to the media i think i don't know if i necessarily buy that in terms of saying that that does i don't think that's that's to, in totality what public accountability means no i don't think right what you say to me did do i think that that is a part of it 100 is yep. definitely a part of it now nicks have decided to neglect that i think the question becomes 
for me, and it's always been for me, A, as you mentioned, does it affect the product on the court? I don't, I don't see it. I don't think there's any impact. I don't know how we could correlate how they talk to the media or, they, or they, how they don't talk to the media correlating to how they uh, work on the court. I could actually argue from a front office standpoint that their media stance actually benefits them yep. as a front office because no, really nobody ever knows what they're thinking. Yep. And that's a great way to run an organization if you can, because uh, other teams then kind of don't know what you're thinking. And a lot of stuff we hear end up being hearsay from other teams about what the Knicks are thinking or what they're not thinking. And that essentially becomes a competitive advantage. from a and, and, and also, when's the last time a GM said something that benefited his team? We've seen a million right. examples where they said something stupid that's drug, driven away free agents, so to speak, or, you know, annoyed players or annoyed other coaching staff or gave bulletin board materials. Oh, the, the last president the Knicks had, Phil Jackson, I mean – Oh, wait, because we had uh, we had Mills before them or in between right, right. there. But, you know, Phil Jackson, last one that talked to the media it was yep. Phil Jackson. Yep. And, I mean, you know, his last big press conference, you know, was, hey, you know, Carmelo Anthony, I think it's time for him to pack his bags and get out of here. And I didn't hate it as much as other people. But, you know, the argument that he had tanked Carmelo Anthony's uh, trade value because he went out there and told all NBA teams that he was not going to dress Carmelo Anthony as the New York Knicks for the next season. It seemed to hurt the Knicks. It seemed to hurt them. Again, I, I didn't mind it for a lot of reasons at that time that I don't need to get into. But like, it, it seemed to just be like, well, all right, why are we going to give the Knicks a, a King's Ransom for Carmelo Anthony if they're saying that they do not want him back on the team? I mean, and the Phil Jackson comments about LeBron James, what did he say? Like, oh, like, God, the, the posse thing. Posse comments, you yeah. know, like that's that stuff doesn't help. And he gave a lot of interviews that didn't that didn't reflect, you know, good on on either himself or as a reflection of the franchise. So I don't think Leon Rose, if he spoke, I mean, that's the one thing that I find odd about all this is Leon Rose is a is a polished professional, uh, maybe not necessarily in the public sphere. He's more behind the scenes, uh, but he can certainly go in front of, the Knicks media writers for 17 minutes once a year, you know, on, on, on media day and say absolutely nothing, say we want to win. You know, we hope to put together the best team, tough questions. He can dodge definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, again, this is a guy that's been in and around press conferences, you know, advised clients on how to get press. Yeah. Conferences. I mean, he's been around the most influential people yes. in the industry. For regularly. Ever. Regularly, <laughs> regularly lived among these people essentially. Yes, yes, like attend birthday parties and weddings and, and right. you know, little, let alone press conferences. And you know, he stood on yeah. the side of the stage of, of press conferences. So you'd think just for the just to avoid the even the question coming up to Adam Silver, you know, you would do that. But again, I think a lot of it, as we've talked about, is Dolan, you know, thumbing his nose at any opportunity can just to just to say he can and just just to just to do so. Um, and if the and and Rose must be like, all right, if I don't have to, you know, it's like if somebody, if somebody, you know, doesn't make you file the TPS report, it's your job. You're not going to do it. You know, it's a it's part of the job that you don't enjoy. So why you're not going to go out of your way? Be like, please let me talk to these guys that are trying to trip me up and, and get a headline. Yeah. I mean, if you're waiting to hear a statement from Leon Rose on their approach for the Knicks this upcoming season, I would say do not do not hold your breath. Yep. Do not hold your breath. Um, so uh, new rules aimed at limiting low management and resting star players have been adopted by the NBA for the upcoming season. Teams will not be allowed to rest more than one star player uh, in a game. Uh, all star players must be available for in-season tournaments and nationally televised games as well. The new rules also bar teams from shutting down star players for any long-term basis. So by implementing these rules, the league is hoping to achieve greater player participation over the 82-game season. 
prioritize national TV and in-season tournament games and improve overall fan and public perception. That was according to an NBA memo that was sent out that ESPN had obtained. Now, the rules will impact 25 teams and 50 players deemed quote-unquote stars. So what? how do you determine who a star is during these rules? Well, essentially, if you were named an all-star or an all-NBA player over the past three seasons, then you are deemed a star and these rules apply to you. So you will not be allowed to rest two of these guys or mainly more than one of these guys at the same time. Uh, you will not be able to rest these guys for nationally televised games and for the in-season tournament. So um, for the Knicks, that means only one person will apply to this rule. That would be Julius Randle. So Randle, <laughs> I even laugh at the thought about Julius Randle getting rest for national TV games or for an in-season tournament game. But even if the Knicks thought about doing it, Julius Randle will not be allowed to have a, a rest during those moments. But really, because the Knicks don't have more than one star, which I think we'll get into a conversation about maybe how arbitrary these rules are, that's it. So Julius Randle can rest any other part of the season, really. It's just that he can't rest on those big-time games, essentially, because the Knicks don't have more than one star, according to these NBA rules. So a uh, violation of the new rules will result in a $100,000 fine for a first offense that increases with every offense. It gets up to, I think, uh, I think over $1 million, I think, by the third or fourth offense. The NBA also has the right to investigate what, what may appear to be bogus injuries that teams will put out there to try to circumvent the rules. So you can't say, oh, the guy's got a sore knee. Well, if it falls under these guidelines of where the NBA thinks you may be trying to arrest, arrest a guy illegally, they can then have their own medical doctors do a medical review and determine whether or not this was indeed a legit reason for a player to miss a game. So you're probably asking, what about exceptions? Well, for players 35 and older on opening night, those who have logged 34,000 regular season minutes or a combined 1,000 regular season and postseason games, teams can seek approval from the league to rest players for back-to-back -back games. So your LeBron James's, Stephen Curry's, Kevin Durant's, Carl, Chris Paul's, James Harden's, those guys would fall into this uh, potential exception. You have to wait essentially a week prior to that game you're trying to rest them to say, hey, we want to rest this guy in the league and then approve or disapprove based on whatever information you give them. So, Tommy, what do you think of these new rules about uh, anti-resting star players in the NBA? Do you like it? I do. Um, I think it's a, a issue that had bothered many fans, more casual fans, I think, than – than uh than than hardcore diehard NBA fans. It's more of the uh you know folks that take their kids to a couple games a year. You want to see the star players. Um and then also the kind of perception and the narrative out there allows folks um that want to uh, you know kind of have a bad faith argument against the Knicks, you know, against the players. They're lazy, they don't try hard, etc. It kind of gives them an excuse to do so. Um when those that you know in the know Understand that this is a it's something we've talked about on the pod before. This is a top down issue as the players aren't going to the coach, you know, and saying, listen, I need a night off. Um, right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to Leon Rose thing. If they if the GM tells them, listen, you're not playing back to backs, um, <laughs> you're not playing three games in four nights. They'll say, OK, yeah. I, I still get paid. OK, I'll, I'll sit out. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll move my guys from the bench, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll, my knees can, can can use a night off. But more often than not. 
um, you know, these 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 guys don't want to play any less than the guys in the 90s and the 80s, etc. Um, it's just again, it's the, the these general managers and you know they have staff and advanced analytics folks um, that have done the math and you know medical analysis and doctors and scientists, etc. Have told them 82 games uh, at a high pace at a high pace of play uh, over yeah. six months season is not great for the human body, for ligaments, for, for, you know, tendons, et cetera. Um, so if you can notch it down a little bit, that's probably increases your chance. Again, we're all in the margins here. You know, there's no, there's yeah. no guarantee. There's no definite does it increase your chance of having your player healthy, um, you know, come the second round of the playoffs by 2.3%. Um, then you do so you weigh that against the, you know, the, the, the player loses, you know, maybe some, some flow if he's playing well and, um, you know, has to deal with, you know, the, this kind of other stuff. Um, so there's that, um, you know, aspect of it. But I do think it's beneficial for the, for the game. Um, but I, I, it's also really important to note here. Let's follow the money. It is not a coincidence that all of a sudden this gets introduced as the NBA oh, yeah. is negotiating its new TV contract. And that's Absolutely. what this is all about. Um, you know, for the most part, um, these are kind of uncomfortable conversations between the league and the Players Association. But they're soothed over by the fact that, hey, put up with this for the next six months, 12 months, 18 months. Once the ink dries on the new contract to go back to, we can go back, you know, wink, wink. Obviously this is not said, mm -hmm. but, it, but it's kind of a, you know, understood, I think agreement. We'll see how it plays out. If it doesn't work, some guys get injured. We can use it as an excuse to scale back, but let's get this new TV contract signed. It'll probably be a six, seven, eight year deal. Um, and it'll be literally billions of dollars. And then we can kind of go back to the status quo as it were, but at least make it look like, the, the the whether it's ESPN or mm -hmm. uh, you know ESPN ABC or Apple TV or Amazon whatever who, who, all those teams all those sides bidding against each other um, have confidence that they're not going to you know air a game on a Thursday night uh, and and you know the, and the and the two best players are out so I think that's you know really important to note. Yeah, I think for me, I think that's a great point because uh, at the end of the day, as I said during the you know after we did the show in the all-star game and i did a radio show after i literally right after the all-star game i mean you saw david zaslov the ceo of warner yep. brothers discovery sitting next to adam silver that was not a happy man and that was, those were not good conversations happening i think anybody who saw uh those shots that kept going back to adam silver with uh that they did not like that scene and i think it, it was a, a good kind of precursor to all the things you're seeing now with the nba trying to you know and infuse some kind of excitement into the regular season because at the end of the day, they're trying to get these companies to spend billions of dollars on their product for a regular season, including then a postseason. When for a lot of NBA fans, a postseason is really all that matters. So, uh, this is the kind of things you're going to see. I think not just this, but it maybe even more changes that will happen over the next few months, few years. And Look, I, I find this to be a little arbitrary. Right. I, I think the, the the conversation and the issue I have for me is, you know, teams not being able to rest more than one star. Okay, again, who are stars? Like Jalen Brunson technically isn't a star, so like, so like he, so he's like eligible. So he's like just a guy that will be, you know, Knicks can you know rest him anytime they want. Like anytime they want, there will be no issue with the Knicks being able to rest Jalen Brunson. There are several other players around the NBA who will fall into these categories as guys who are star players, but uh, you know, but aren't star by the NBA's note. I mean, Clay Thompson, 
because of how yeah. everything went down with his injuries and like he's not a star. So and technically, not, like the the, the the war, and like he probably does need the rest. The Warriors can rest him anytime they want as well. And not technically a star, but Victor Wembanyama, for instance, doesn't fall under. Right, the, he's a rookie, and and he's, he's in like and he's with the San Antonio Spurs. Right? I can guarantee yes. you, he's going to be getting plenty of rest. So, right. and so some of this stuff seems arbitrary, and I, I think that the headline from this was the idea that teams can't rest more than one star for a game. I just don't think that ever was an issue. Like to right. me, like if I'm watching the Lakers. And the Lakers say LeBron James is not playing. Vancey Davis is. Well, I'm I'm still disappointed, and I'm still maybe less inclined to watch the game because guess what? I want to see LeBron James. I'm going to watch the Milwaukee Bucks play, and they say, "Oh, don't worry, guys. You know, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday; those guys are going to take the court." But Giannis Antetokounmpo has a rest day today. That's right. still a problem. I don't know how much this really fixes that. Now, I think the nationally televised games and the in-season tournament like that, I think is good, and that was important, especially for the in-season tournament. Because I think the the league's biggest fear, I think, was that teams are going to take this thing as a joke, and these guys just weren't going to play. Here, uh, I think that now these guys will have to play in this. But then, even the rules that are in place don't have safeguards for what happens if a team decides to play a team guy for a first quarter and then sit him out. Like, is, like uh, technically, that's still a rest day, I would assume. But like, I don't think that, I think that'd be totally fine for these uh, for these rules. The guy played; he was there. And then he, you know, came out after five minutes. Like you, you still get the rest, and you still don't have. You still have the the impact of the fact that team people that are watching the product are are kind of being, you know, they being they being, you know, like I don't know, swindled. I guess you know, you think you're gonna watch, you know, Embiid versus Jokic, but you know, Jokic comes out after you know five minutes on ESPN. Then well, <laughs> what good does that do? I saw for five minutes right. Jokic versus Embiid. Right. Like right. it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, 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 at the end of the day, I don't think there is, and this is what puts the NBA in the spot. There's no clear cut. How do you define an all star? You know, a star player. Um, when Bayana's, you know, it's or is it just players you want to watch? So it's kind of like the 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 um, max extension eligible triggers. You know, all yeah. NBA voted on by some guy. Some writers take the job serious, but what's the better alternative? Have the voters uh, have the players vote? You know, we see every year they vote like Joakim Noah's all star. You know, like this. They don't they don't they don't pay too close attention to it. So. Um, I, I think uh, I, one thing, one thing my brother said that he thought would be a better idea was he said, shout out to Kendall Stewart. He said like why he would just have it as your two highest players pay players on every team. Cause again, like the Orlando magic, they they have nobody like they can pick a big rest guys. Are, now I don't know why they would, but they can rest guys as long as they want. Or they, they could shut that guys down as long as they want. So they could shut down Paolo Bancaro. If he's not an all-star this year for the last month of the season, if they want to tank for a number one pick, and that's fine. So for him, he was like, look, make it your top highest paid player. Sometimes it's not necessarily ideal. If you got some guys on terrible contracts. But for the most part, you would for every team, you'd have guys that are valuable that then would be would have to play in these games. Yeah. Then you get the Ben Simmons of the world, you know, but, but then he's he a star. I know, I know. <laughs> he's a star that's... in this. So he he yeah, he's under the same rules that Julius Randle's under this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. The same same rules as LeBron. And, and stuff. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Again, listen. There's no perfect, you know, solution. Uh, but again, I don't think the NBA was overly concerned with, you know, sol- solving this 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 puzzle. I think they were as just as concerned with the public perception of the of the issue at least being addressed, which would make the potential bidders on the TV contract feel comfortable. Look, I know it's unorthodox, and I've made the case several times, and it's outside the box. I think the NBA should just adopt personal days. 
for all NBA players. I think you should give them three in the first half of the season, three in the second half of the season. Players should have to put in, or the teams, if it's a team thing, put in when guys are taking personal days, just like we do at our normal jobs. Just say they can't be on nationally televised games or in-season tournament games. And then we just live with the fact that there are some games that just we're not going to be paying as close attention to. And I, I don't think that that's – I think the idea that we're not going to we're, – we're not, we're not – we're refusing to embrace the elephant in the room that the NBA season is too long and that it probably needs to be shortened. So then we have to embrace that rest is a part of the deal. Like I, I think that the fact that they don't think that this is not going to be circumvented somewhere, again, teams like the Warriors, you know, they're going to be a little screwed because they got so many all-stars, but they're going to be spreading these guys out. Like you're going to have Steph playing on Monday, Steph off on Monday, Draymond off on Tuesday, Chris Paul off on Thursday. I mean, like it's still not good for the league. Like I, I think just put the blankets things out, let the guys sit when they're supposed to sit. And then we all know when we're expecting to see these guys play, and then we can just go on from there. That's how I would do it. Yeah, it will. And listen, this is just the first, you know, kind of uh, draft of this, and we'll see how it kind of plays out. Um, and then I'm sure, you know, again, it's all collectively bargained. Um, we'll, we'll see if this causes an issue with the next CBA and, and all that other stuff. So um, I would, again, I don't think this is, you know, set in stone for the next fifty years. Yeah, it will be interesting to follow, and we'll see how you know league trends change all the time so yes i mean maybe there's a time where we, we end up seeing guys playing close to the 82 games again i don't, I don't know who knows but um uh, but it will be i mean i'm interested to see how this impacts the regular season and if we do get between this and the fact that guys gotta play six five games to be all nba um and, and make various different awards like I, I am curious if we end up seeing much more participation in the season this year but uh okay, so our, our last episode of Orange Blue Buzz was our one hundredth edition of this podcast, and we celebrated Knicks history by holding our all time Knicks fantasy draft. Our teams have been picked apart by you, the listener, and our followers on various social media platforms, not just us, but also obviously platform for WFAN, you know, uh as well. So uh, on Twitter, Tommy posted the poll when it came to team EJ versus team Tommy. Who would win in a seven-game series? Fifty-seven percent of followers voted that Team Tommy would defeat Team EJ in a seven-game series. So I want to read some of the responses we got from people regarding this all-time matchup between Team Tommy and Team EJ. So uh, uh, Alan Seepingwall from Rolling Stone commented saying, uh, "Don't love Tommy's Twin Towers lineup, but everyone." But if everyone, uh, by which I mean Bernard, is healthy, Team Tommy by a mile. We had uh, at Bob underscore handle saying Team Tommy frontline destroys EJs. We had uh, Omega Red October tweeting Team Tommy in four. And then we had uh, at T underscore Riv 22 tweeting Team EJ is getting bullied off the court by halftime. So a lot of love for Team Tommy. There was some love for Team EJ as well. So uh, WFAN's Anthony Gallo, who's been a guest on this podcast uh, on Instagram, put Team EJ for sure. We had uh, at T Ramaradatan, I think is how you say his name, uh, who said he'd vote for Team EJ. Uh, and then we had uh, at Garcia108 tweet, I can't take anyone seriously if their team doesn't include Walt Clyde Frazier. And my team did, so I assume that means he is voting for Team EJ in that front. Now, Tommy didn't have much of a choice and not giving me Walt Clyde Frazier because I, I picked first. So, or I don't know, maybe he thought that we were just picking our own teams and somehow I omitted, you know, Patrick Will, Patrick Ewing and Will <laughs> Reed and you omitted Walt Clyde Frazier. But nonetheless, this is what Garcia 108 
uh, tweeted said. So it was super fun. First of all, as I said on Twitter earlier this morning, uh, that was the most fun podcast episode I've done uh, on Orange and Blue Bloods. And that's saying a lot because a lot of these, all, we've done a lot of awesome episodes and almost every episode is super fun. But uh, but but I had a blast doing it. I've had a blast seeing the responses from people. Uh, Tommy, what were your thoughts on just the draft and the reaction to the fans uh, uh, looking at our picks? Yeah, it was just fun. Like you said, like we're two, you know, um, you know, historians uh, of the franchise. So to kind of combine the current knowledge with the history and yeah. and t- tweak and, you know, I'm just going to let you know, I'm not going to address any questions from the media as GM. Of <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, you know, Adam Silver gave me the green light, said I don't have to talk to anybody. So uh, if you guys have any questions, you can direct that to uh, my head coach. Uh but yeah, we're not we're not going to just no. But uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, and um, I had a lot of fun reflecting on, and I had a lot of fun arguing about, it, even talking with some friends afterwards. And yeah, yeah. listen, Garcia one hundred eight. I would like to have Walk Life Frazier. I didn't have a chance to pick. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't be too hard on me. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I I, I enjoyed seeing the responses. It was so interesting because I feel like. I don't know how many, how much people really thought about the match. Well, no, people did think because a lot of people really looked at your matchup and said, well, the front court is just going to be too much. Right. For right, me, right, though, right. I feel like I built a team that kind of was conceding the fact that, yes, they're going to be yes. very tough on the inside. So, therefore, I need as much shooting and backcourt sides as possible. And it didn't seem like that really resonated with right, right, some right. of the people that were responding. Because for me, it was like, all right, he's got a big back a big front court but my backcourt has walt frazier and alan houston he's going with garen and brunson that's a smaller backcourt and then my backcourt point guard is michael richardson who's six foot five so uh, i and then also again with the you know trying to add more speed uh scoring i was a little surprised I, I i got some heat for the final pick of this draft taking jamal crawford and again i was a little surprised by this because i'm thinking low we're playing a game today like who, who doesn't think that jamal crawford would be a problem for some of these guards that Tommy was putting out there, but a lot of people said, I, I don't know what the hell EJ was doing picking Jamal Crawford with the final pick. Yeah, I think that, like, to your point, it's about, you know, matchups and, you know, I think they may have assumed that it was like, all right, this team plays an 82 game schedule against, right, yeah. You know, you know, as opposed to you're specifically matching up and, like, towards the end of the draft, making picks according to how the rest of your roster is shaken out, how my team looks, et cetera. So, um, but fun and entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, I think if there was any picks I would have done differently, I think for the sake, and I would let me be clear, I don't think I'd do any picks differently in terms of trying to win this game or win this series. I think that the team I have, the team I would go with. But I think in terms of if I wanted more votes, I wanted more people to get behind the team I was putting out there, I think I would have added uh, Bob McAdoo to this team. Now, I don't know how many shots Bob McAdoo's getting. I think that would have been a problem on this team. But I would have added him. I probably would have taken Charles Oakley off. Because I think that having that scoring punch, maybe even my starting lineup, maybe would have made people feel a little better about the fact that Tommy has Patrick Ewing and Willis Reed in his front court. Like, I think that that would be probably the main move I would have made. My dad was giving me uh, stuff saying I should have took uh, the great Bill Cartwright. And Bill Cartwright had some size, and and he was a a really underrated Nick uh, as a center. And I did think about Bill Cartwright. But, again, for me, it was like, look, I got – I got Clyde and I got Alan. I got Alan Houston and Carmelo. I got guys who are going to get shots up. I I, just, I need defense. I need guys who are yeah. going to throw their bodies around. That's why I wanted Oak and DeBusher. But I, I think I would have added Bob McAdoo to this to this front line, and I think then maybe we would have seen the voting go a little different. I'm still keeping Jamal Crawford. I have no no regrets about the Jamal Crawford pick. 
Yeah, somebody said uh, Marcus Camby would have been an interesting pick for you as well. Oh, that's right? a good one too. You know, that kind yeah, of I like that idea. Defend the ring. I saw. I saw someone also. I saw someone also mention uh, Stephon Marbury not being I, on these right. teams and actually wondering would he be better on a team of this kind of talent? You know, he was kind of thrown on teams that were were terrible fits, but he was and he was not a good leader during that time. Right? Could he have been uh, an impact player on one of these teams? And I did think about Stephon Marbury. Uh, for that last guard spot when I went with Michael Ray Richardson. He would have been the third guy maybe behind, uh, you know, I had Michael Richardson. I was also thinking about Mark Jackson as the other guard. But I did think of Steph. But, again, like, another thing, too, for me is that, like, I'm trying to win a basketball game in a basketball series. Like, you got to think about, like, the shot distribution. Like, for me, yes. it's like I know where my shots are going. So do I need Steph, you know, who's, you know, an eight or nine assist guy, too. So he could – obviously, he could just rock. But a guy who – I think his best attribute still was his scoring. Do I, do I need that off the bench? No, I thought I needed Mike Ray Richardson, uh, his defense, his ability to spray the ball around as as a guard. So, but I think I, I love these exercises because just yeah, yeah. trying to talk about these past players and putting them in today's game and putting them with teammates they've never played before ends up being a, a fun basketball conversation. Definitely a lot of fun, and um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again next year. We'll see how uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, I think next. I think next time we do this, I think I want to get two more guests, and it, it has to be a longer episode. Ooh. Maybe an episode where it's totally just a. That's drag. pretty. Cool. I want to get two more guests. I, I'm not going to speak say any names. I don't want to speak any of the existence, and well, maybe I should, but I don't want to put names out there and put pressure on them or anything. But I would like to get two guests, two fairly well known guests, and have a four team, four person draft. That's pretty. And cool. maybe say, okay, this team has a this 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 these yeah. four teams now. They have a season. They have. You know, maybe mm. not a game season, but maybe like a, a thirty-game season. Right. And then, right. They a, and, then have, and then they have a playoffs. Who who wins? Who becomes the champion in this one? I would love to see that. So maybe that's the next time we do this. We we add two more guests and we have them join the show for that. But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Blood. So again, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, you can catch all of our shows uh, wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Be sure to hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube where you can catch the full episodes and shorts from this episode on the WFBN YouTube channel. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Again, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode on the Blue Bloods. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take these guys. Peace.